everybody. It's good to see. We got people spread out all over the auditorium here today and all the corners here. So it's good to have you guys with us. Uh, want to welcome everybody who's joining us online as well. Those of you on Facebook Live, those of you on YouTube. Uh, so good to have you worshiping with us this morning. Um, before I get into my message, we're continuing the series, uh, New Year, New You, which is a, a pretty simple title for the message. Figure just kind of get right to what we're hoping to see happen here. Uh, but before we do that, I want to give you an announcement about our Christmas offering. Uh, we have been doing our Christmas offering since, uh, since around Thanksgiving. That's when we usually open it up. And, uh, and so we have been receiving uh, gifts towards the Christmas offering. There are three different groups that are going to be beneficiaries of our Christmas offering this year. Uh, that is um, the, the Judique Casa de los Precios. That's the orphanage down in uh, Santa Cruz, Bolivia, that's, that's run by Paul and Kristen Hoffman. We've been supporting them for years. Then there's also uh, Armenian refugees. We have uh, a vineyard pastor, a good friend of ours, Craig Simonian, who's a missionary there. And so he's, we're going to send part of the money that came in to him to dispense to the Armenian refugees. And then also our food bank. So we've got our, uh, our local food bank, which just keeps growing and growing and getting food to more and more people. So we're excited about the beneficiaries of... Uh, of our Christmas offering this year. And I want to tell you the total that came in. Um, we closed it on Friday. I think Friday afternoon is when we closed the links on the website and the PushPay app and all of that. So uh, it is $82,118.26. So that is, that is amazing. And I'll tell you what, here's the deal. You know, as we as we dispense this money to these different organizations, this isn't going to be something that just kind of says, oh, that's nice. The North Jersey Vineyard like thought of us. This, we're going to be able to give money that can really make a difference in the, the ministry that's going on. So I want to thank so many of you who gave generously to make this possible. So that is very exciting. Um, all right. So so new year, new habits, new year, new habits. Uh, we we're starting this year talking about some things that we can do, changes that we can make in our life, intentional things that we can do to produce life change. Because that really, listen, what we're, what we're all about at this church is life change. We don't want you to just come to church and we just come to church week after week with no change. No, the, the Bible talks about this process called sanctification, that we start life, you know, it's a fallen world and we're broken and we're bruised and we got issues, we got baggage. But as we walk with Jesus, little by little by little, he's working in our life. He's changing our life. He's sanctifying us. He's making us more like Jesus. There's, there's redemptive progression that's happening. So we want there to be life change. And so we hope that as we move into this new year, that our lives are going to change in some significant ways, in some tangible ways. And, and I think all of us, we want our lives to change, right? We all, we all want lives to change. One of the reasons I always do a series like this in January is I want to capitalize on kind of the momentum that you have when the calendar flips and you're like, all right, I want to, I want to make some changes in my life. I want to get closer to God. I want to get in shape. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to introduce some spiritual disciplines, manage my time more, you know, better, read more, whatever it is. There are things that we want to do. There are people that we want to become. And the problem that we have, I said this a couple of weeks ago, the problem that we have is we have these, these uphill hopes, right? We have these uphill desires, these ways we want to change, 
but we have downhill habits in our lives. We don't have habits that are going to lead us into the things that God has for us. Now, listen, hope is an important thing, right? Hope is a big deal. Uphill hopes, they matter. I'm not saying they don't matter. It produces motivation. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I always, I try to do every week when I'm preaching is encourage you. You know, when I take a spiritual gift test, I come out kind of high on, on the gift of encouragement. I want to encourage you. I want to motivate you. But I also want to give you things that you can do Monday through Friday that can make a difference in your life. I want to give you that motivation, but I want to give you a game plan. And, and so what we're focusing on in this series, I started it two weeks ago. And by the way, just a shout out to, to Charles and what he did, uh, what he did last week. Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that great? I don't know. That, We'll have to see. Maybe that could be like a Martin Luther King weekend tradition because he's got a lot, you know, Martin Luther King has a lot of sermons. And, and I just found like 15 seconds into that, I just, you forgot it was Charles, you know, and you just kind of got caught up in it. So that was, that was just so great. But, uh, but anyway, before that, I started this series. And so the first habit was put God first. And so we talk about practical ways that we can put God first in our life. And I tried to break it down, you know, what does it mean for us to give God the first of the year? And so we just completed 21 days of prayer. That's a way we in our church, we try to make it easy for you to give God the first of your year with 21 days of prayer. And so many of you participated in that. How do we give God the first of our month, the first of our week, the first of our day? That we get into the habit of putting God first. Next week, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to be talking about how we can uh, change the way that we think, right? So much of the problems that we have, the downhill habits that we have in our life have to do with, with how we think. And so we're going to talk about how we, can, how we can make some changes, kind of move away from stinking thinking and, and change the way we think. It can change the way that we live. And then finally, we're going to talk about, about how we can uh, align our life better, Habits that we can have in our life so that our life lines up with the plans and purposes that God has for us. I talk all the time about how we're made on purpose for a purpose. And so we've got to get into the habit of aligning our life with God's purposes. And so there are habits, there are things that we can do that can help us to accomplish that. This week, what we're going to talk about is something I think that's really important. We're going to talk about how we can choose our relationships more carefully. Now, our theme verse... In all of these messages that we're doing, our theme verse is Romans 12, 2. And uh, so we're going to read this verse, you know, every, every week during the series. I, I put it in through the, the message version, which is a paraphrase, but I kind of like the way that it, it captures this verse in a little bit of a different way. It says, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well for maturity. What I want to let you know this morning is God's plan, his intention for you, is that he wants to bring, bring the best out of you. God is for you. God has plans and purposes for you. And I love the way that this, this, this verse, there's a contrast. It's like we have a choice. Are we going to let God work his best in us, which is going to mean we need, some, we need some God habits in our life, or are we just going to go with the culture? 
And we know where the culture is going to lead us. You know, it talks about the, this verse. It talks about the, uh, the, the culture dragging us down to its level of immaturity. And we know where the culture leads us. We know where that current goes, that it leads us to aimlessness. It leads to some depression in our lives and of anxiety and fear and maybe some addictions and hopelessness. But instead, we're going to develop these God habits. All right? And so I hope that, you know, if you missed a couple of weeks ago, maybe you can check it out online and, and, um, and we're going we're gonna to keep going. And I hope that this is something we don't just hear. I hope it's some changes that we really make. And so today, as I said, we're talking about choosing my relationships carefully. Now, this is not an overstatement, right? You, you are where you are and who you are based on your relationships, now, some of the relationships that you have, you didn't choose, right? You didn't choose your parents. You didn't choose your siblings. You didn't choose your, your family of origin. A lot of the relationships that we have chosen, we've made choices. But the way that we deal with our relationships, the choices we make within our relationships makes all the difference. Show me the people closest to you and I'll show you your future. That's how it works. That's how important relationships are. It says this in Proverbs 12, 26, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. And so I'm going to try to, you know, I want to make this about what we can do. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you four things that you can do to make better choices about your relationship. And so if you open up your app, you'll see there's fill in the blank notes. And so all the scripture verses are there. You can follow along. You can fill in some things that'll kind of help you like keep tracking, kind of stay with it. But you'll notice that every word that you're going to fill in is a verb. And it's, I, you know, I did that intentionally because I want you to see this is something you need to do. This is the choice that you need to make, that as we go into 2021, that we'll have habits when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to the choices that we make, that we'll have some uphill habits that can really make a difference in our life, in our relationships. So the first one, the first fill-in, the first point is I'm going to nurture my important relationships. I'm going to nurture my, my important relationships. So think about the important relationships in your life. Think about the most important relationships in your life. If you're married, you're thinking about your spouse, right? You're thinking about your kids if you have kids. You're thinking about your best friend or maybe your parents. And, and we need to take some time thinking about the important relationships in our life. Sometimes when I hear people talking about their relationships, they talk about them like they're just like this thing. Right? They'll say, like, my marriage, it's just not working. It's kind of like, you know, here's your marriage, and you kind of kick it, you try to get it to work, and it's not really working. They'll say, my marriage is broken. My marriage isn't functioning. My marriage isn't good. Well, the question is, are you nurturing your marriage? Are you spending some time to nurture your marriage? It's like, imagine if you got a fireplace, and you got a fireplace in your living room, and the fireplace works, and, you know, the chimney works, it's not clogged up, but there's no fire in the fireplace, and you say, you know what, this is a bad fireplace. The fireplace is broken. The fireplace doesn't work. There's not a problem with the fireplace. The problem is you need to put a fire in the fireplace. You've got to put some logs in the fire. You've got to get some newspapers. You've got to get some lighter fluid. You've got to get a match. You've got to light the fire in, in your relationship. You've got to nurture those important relationships, those primary relationships. Now, I've said this a few times over the last couple of months because it's kind of a big deal. and kind of freaks me out a little bit that so much time is going by. But... Uh, Norma and I, in June, we're going to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. And uh, that's, that, that, listen, 
I'll tell you what, I got to tell you the truth. It is not easy living with an angel because I keep getting blinded by the halo and you know what it's, but, uh, but I tell you, it, I would say Norma and I, we don't have a perfect relationship. I would never claim that we have a perfect relationship, but what I will say is we have a healthy relationship. We have a growing relationship. I, I can say for sure that, that I love her more and I understand her more than I did 30 years ago when we first got married. And I think she could say the same thing about me. Uh, but we got to work at it. We've had to work at it. One of the things that we've had to work on is we've had to learn how to fight, right? We've had to learn how to have conflict. And I think that's something like a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of married people, they don't know how to have conflict. You know, that with Norma and I, we're both talkers. We're both opinionated. We both can, you know, kind of have strong personalities. And so 30 years ago, man, we, we weren't handling that part of things really well. When we had a disagreement, it could get heated, but we've had to learn. We've had to learn like how, how when in the midst of a conflict, how I can kind of define myself, how I can talk about what I need, what I think, what I feel in a way that keeps us connected, right? Where she can talk about what she thinks and what she needs and what she feels. And we've worked on that. We've gotten better at it. Sometimes couples will, people will say to me, it's like, oh, you know, my, my wife and I, we never disagree. We have no disagreements. And, and they kind of think I'm going to take that as a good thing, but I don't necessarily take that as a good thing because it could mean that you just swept a lot of stuff under the rug. And so now you've got this like huge mound in your living room that you have to constantly have to tiptoe around and the furniture is all crooked and sideways. It also could mean that, that maybe one of the people in the relationship is a bully. And so the other person is just afraid to bring anything up. And so it's just like, yes, dear, no, dear, whatever you say, dear. You got you to gotta work at it. Norma and I, we've had to work. We've had times in our life, especially when the kids were a little bit younger, you know, where our lives could get on parallel tracks. We would have busy careers and the kids would, you know, kind of drag us everywhere. And so we had to work to make sure that we were spending time communicating, that we were talking through, that we were going on date nights, that we were finding time, opportunities to communicate. We, we need to make time for those primary relationships. And let me say one other, one thing about marriage and I'm talking about relationships in general, but I just want to speak to the married people for a moment, and maybe those of you who are engaged, who are getting ready to marry. I want to remind you that the devil hates your marriage. He hates your marriage. He hates you. He hates your spouse. He hates your kids. And he comes to rob, kill, and destroy. And he can cause a lot of pain. If you don't nurture your marriage, if you don't protect your marriage, the enemy can cause a lot of pain in your life. How many of you would say, that's my story? I grew up, you know, in something that, that maybe you would say, that's something that caused a lot of pain in my life. Maybe the primary point of pain in your life was that your parents didn't nurture their marriage. Your parents didn't protect their marriage and it caused a lot of pain. So we need to tend the fire. We need to, to, to light the fire again. And we need to do that with our kids. We need to do that with our best friends. Don't just drift through those primary relationships. First Peter 4, 7 to 8, Peter wrote, he said, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. What Peter is saying here is he's writing at a time when there was a lot, of, a lot of crazy stuff going on. There was persecution. There were difficulties. There were challenges. And we know a little bit about crazy times, right? I mean, we've seen, you know, living through 2020 and, and into 2021, things are crazy. But what, what Peter's saying is when things are crazy, what's so important is that above all else, 
that you love each other deeply because love's going to cover a multitude of sins. And so we make that commitment that we're going to nurture our primary relationships. We're going we're gonna to tend, we're going to light the fire. We're going to tend the fire. We're going to make sure that those relationships are healthy. The second thing is this. The second verb to write down is I'm going to restore my broken relationships. I'm going to restore my broken relationships. Romans 12, 17 to 18 says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So we're called to peace, right? We're, we're called to peace. We're not to be people who like fight fire with fire, who go looking for conflict wherever we can find it, who give as good as we get. We're called to live at peace with everyone. But what I love about this verse is it's so realistic because what it says is as much as it depends on you because to have a restored relationship doesn't totally just depend on you. Right? It takes someone else who's willing to be restored. And so listen, if we can't live at peace with them, maybe there's someone in your life, the relationship is broken, the relationship isn't restored. It's not possible for you to live at peace with them because of some choices they're making. You can at least live at peace with yourself. And that has everything to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness is such an important part of this deal. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard, he would say, the way on is the way in meaning it starts with forgiveness and it keeps going with forgiveness. I oftentimes during the week, I'll have prayer appointments with people and sometimes we'll pray about maybe spiritual oppression or just kind of deep pains and wounds and broken relationships. And, and it always, seeing the kingdom break in to bring freedom or healing, it always has to do with forgiveness. There's always somebody that they need to forgive or, or some, some, you know, forgiveness they need to receive. Forgiveness is so essential. Forgiveness, if we have bitterness in our life and you want to restore a relationship and you go to have a conversation with someone, that relationship is broken, and you go to have a conversation with them and you're carrying anger and bitterness and resentment, I can tell you that conversation is not going to go well because that anger and that bitterness and that resentment, it's going to pop up and it's going to blow up and it's probably going to make things worse. So the first thing that we do if we want to see restoration is we need to forgive them. And we do it not just for them, we do it for ourselves because there's nothing more damaging than anger and bitterness and resentment. It's like we set ourselves on fire hoping that our enemy is going to die of smoke inhalation. Right? It's a poison that we drink thinking it harms our enemies. Doctors have, have proven, scientists have proven that not only will bitterness like, affect you spiritually, affect your soul, it will also call, make you sick. There's a lot of people who are sick just because they have so much bitterness in their life. So is there anyone that you need to forgive today? Is there anyone that you need to, to forgive? The first step towards seeing a relationship healed is releasing forgiveness. Bitterness and unforgiveness is not something that we, that we want in our life. And it's so important. It's so key that I would recommend to you that, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about giving God the first part of our day. And so I would recommend that when you give God the first part of your day, that you preemptively forgive the people who are going to hurt you that day. That you get to a point where you just kind of say, God, I know there's going to be some people who are going to come across my path and they may not treat me right. And I choose right now, even before they do that, that I'm going to forgive them. I release forgiveness here and now. It is so essential. It's so important for our life. And maybe some of you would say, you know what, but Phil, you don't know what they've done to me. 
You don't know the pain that they've caused me. And that's true. I don't know. And I'm sure some of you, there's some deep things that you need to forgive. There's some really painful things, hard things, where people really wronged you. They, they did you wrong. But it says this in Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, I don't know what they did to you exactly. But what I do know is that I need the Lord to forgive me. If I'm going to have this relationship with God, if I'm going to come into the, the, the good things that God has for me in this kingdom life, I am absolutely depending on God's forgiveness. I need to forgive him for my yesterdays. I'm going to need him for, to forgive me for my tomorrows. And so if I'm going to get forgiveness from God, if you hurt me, I'm obligated to give you forgiveness because I've received so much from the Lord. And so regardless of, you know, it might even be, honestly, when you talk about reconciliation, you might need to forgive someone who's dead, who's no longer alive. And, and, and so there isn't that possibility for that restored relationship, but you can still find some freedom. There can still be some chains that fall off of you. Forgiveness is so key. So, so we restore broken relationships. We forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. The third verb, the third point is that we sever any harmful relationships. Sever harmful relationships. Now listen, again, for those of you who are married, I am not, you, can, you do not get to go home this afternoon and say, all right, you know, Pastor Phil told me I'm packing my bags, I'm out of here. I get to sever this harmful relationship. No, this does not apply to you. And 999 times out of 1,000, this doesn't apply to marriage. You know, what, what applies to marriage is that you nurture, the, you, know, you nurture important relationships, you restore broken relationships. But what I'm talking about are relationships that you know are toxic, relationships that you know are bad for you. Do you have people in your life that when you spend time with them, you know that they drag you down? Like consistently, you do things that you don't want to do when you're with them. Maybe you drink too much. Maybe you talk about people in a certain way. Maybe you, you know, you just get your eyes off of Jesus. There's so many ways that it can manifest, but you know what I'm talking about, right? If you have people in your life that, that they're, they're not helping you come into the things God has for you, they're leading you in the other direction. Now, I, I'm not saying that God wants you to live in an ivory tower where you're just surrounded with other, you know, Christians who just carry their Bible everywhere and smile all the time, because that's not what Jesus did, right? Jesus didn't model that for us. Jesus spent time with all sorts of people. He, he was criticized by the religious people because he was the friend of sinners. He'd go to parties that, that people thought a religious person has no right going to this party. But the difference is Jesus was the influencer, Jesus influenced them towards the things of the kingdom. He was not the influencee. And so if you look at some of your relationships and if you can honestly say, I'm not the influencer here. Maybe you need to take a step back and maybe you can, you know, initiate that relationship again in the future when you get to a better place, when you're stronger. But maybe there's some relationships that you need to sever. Proverbs 13:20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Maybe there's some fools that you need to cut out of your life. Maybe for a season, maybe forever. I don't know. Like God will kind of show you that. But we need to sever relationships. I'm talking about some of the, some of the dangerous relationships you might have going on. And let me, let me talk again to married people. And again, I'm, I'm you know, not just talking about marriage here. But, but you know what? One of the things that's caused more destruction to marriages over the last few years than anything else is Facebook. 
Because what's happened is people have connected with old girlfriends and old boyfriends and people from, you know, different times of their life, maybe their high school sweetheart, and then they start, you know, starts with some messaging back and forth, then it goes to text, then maybe it goes to phone calls, then maybe it goes to meetings, and you feel like, hey, I'm 17 years, you know, I feel like I'm 17 years old again. You know, we've got to really be careful. I'm talking about, and I wonder if maybe even right now, this may be kind of a prophetic warning for somebody specific, that if there's someone in your life, if you're married, and there's someone in your life that you're flirting with, that there's just kind of this flirtation that's kind of going on, and, and it you know, makes you feel good, and just kind of compliments back and forth, and you kind of light up when that person's around, you need to be careful. What you need to do is you need to go and you need to read Proverbs chapter 5, Proverbs chapter 6, and Proverbs chapter 7, because those three chapters talk about the danger of adultery. Adultery will mess you up. Every, every good thing that you have in your life will be blown up if you go down that road. It'll hurt you. It'll obviously hurt your spouse. It'll devastate your kids. It will, everything that you work for, it will blow it up. And a lot of times what happens is we think, I can handle this. I'm not going to go any further. I'm just going to dip my toe in the water and just let my toe feel good. But the problem when we start trafficking with sin is that sin will make us stupid. It will. It's like we enter into it and our, our thinking gets cloudy and things kind of change. And if you're dipping your toe in that water, odds are you're going to be fully submerged in that water before you know it. And so you need to sever that relationship. If there's somebody that I'm talking to right now specifically, like, you know, again, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not putting this in there because some spouse, you know, asked me to or anything like that. But I wonder if maybe, and I just even feel the Holy Spirit on this right now, some, somebody, you, you got to, like, you're in danger. You're in danger. And so you got to run. You got to flee. Maybe you got to quit your job. Maybe you got to move to another state. I don't know. You got to do whatever you got to do. You know, cancel your Facebook account, whatever it is. Do something before it turns into something that you regret. And so we sever harmful relationships and then finally initiate some meaningful relationships, right? We need meaningful relationships in our lives. I, I heard years ago, and it's just stayed with me, that, that we have three types of relationships, right? We've got people who drag us down and maybe those relationships need to be severed. We've got a lot of people in our life, they're just kind of neutral. You know, they don't really add anything, but they don't take anything away. But then we have people in our life who bless us. We have people in our life who encourage us. We have people in our life who, who really help us and minister to us, and we know we can depend on them. We need more of those kinds of relationships. We need to initiate some of those relationships. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So I like that that verse talks about it in, in view of habits that you have the habit of initiating these relationships. And the writer of Hebrews says the same thing that Peter said, all the more as the day approaches. Listen, 2020 might have shown a lot of you that you don't have, you didn't initiate enough of those important relationships in your life. And so when 2020 happened, you were kind of isolated, you were kind of alone, and it made it harder. Now is the time that we choose to initiate some relationships. So I want to give you, last thing I'll do here, Three relationships that we need to initiate. Three relationships that I want you to be intentional about initiating. And the first one is this. I will develop my relationship with my church. My church. 
Say that with me right now. My church. All right, now, now listen, I know maybe some of you are thinking, well, no, but Pastor Phil, this is Jesus' church, and yes, it's Jesus' church, but it also needs to be my church, right? It needs to be our church. There's something about ownership. There's something about saying, hey, I'm a part of what's going on here. There are over 30 verses in the New Testament alone that are impossible to do if you're not kind of deeply connected to a local church, right? The new the, the way they talk about Christianity in, in the New Testament, it assumes that you're someone who's connected, that you're someone who's a part, that you're someone who's involved, that you're able to say, my church. And listen, I know some of you, some of you that I'm talking to in this room, some of you on, on, on uh, Facebook Live and, and YouTube, you know, you're at a time right now where you're just kind of checking it out. And that's cool. That's fine. There's no, no pressure. You know, maybe uh, you're joining us online and you've been watching online for the last few weeks or the last few months and you're like, all right, this seems good, but I'm going to wait for things to open up. I'm going to wait till I get the vaccine and I can come, you know, come to the church service and kind of see a little bit more what's going on, kick the tires. You know, maybe you're coming from like a really painful experience in a church. Maybe your last church experience wasn't good and you got hurt and you're like, I just, I need some time to just kind of sit in the back row or, or just be online and just kind of heal up a little bit. Maybe you're someone, you're in the process of discovering what life with Jesus is all about. And so we wanted to take the time to do that, you know, figure out who Jesus is and what he means for you. You are welcome to do that. And there is no pressure. There's going to be no, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to give anything. You can take all the time that you need. But see, here's the deal. At some point, you're going to have to commit. At some point, you're going to have to get to the place where you say, my church. Ephesians 2.19, it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. There's something about relationships. When we make a commitment, those relationships are better. Those relationships bring more meaning and purpose to our life when we make a commitment. Now, I was thinking about this. I've made four really big commitments in my life, relational commitments. And as I think about my life, these are the treasures of my life. These are the parts of my life that have brought me the most joy, have given me the most purpose. When I was 17 years old, I made a commitment that I was going to go all in with Jesus. I made a commitment to follow Jesus. And, and you know what? I got to tell you, it has, been, it has been better. 54-year-old Phil can say it's been better than 17-year-old Phil ever thought it would be. Not necessarily easy, but God has been good to me. God has been faithful. That commitment has radically changed my life. About almost 30 years ago, I made a commitment to my wife and made a commitment to love, honor, and cherish till death do us part. I got four kids. I've made a commitment to my kids. My kids are adults now. The, the twins are 20, soon to be 21. And, uh, and so they didn't, they didn't go to, they withdrew from college last semester because they didn't want to do the whole like online thing. It really wasn't working for them. But now they're back to being full-time college students. So I actually, last week, I had to finalize how we were going to pay for this semester and, and uh, you know, kind of, kind of ante up for all of that. And so, so I, you know, I, my, my commitment to them, it cost me something. Uh, but, uh, but it's brought so much blessing to my life. And the other, the other commitment that I've made as I made a commitment to this church 23 years ago when my wife and I planted this church, I made a commitment to this church. And I had I led the early morning prayer time on, on Tuesday. And, and what I asked us to pray, to, to focus on our, our prayers on, was the Vineyard Movement. Um, 
some of you don't know, we're part of a global family of churches. There are 2,500 vineyard churches worldwide uh, in, I think, close to 100 different countries. There's uh, 600 churches in the United States. And so I serve Vineyard USA. I'm on what's called the executive team. So there's 12 of us and we lead the vineyard and make, you know, decisions, wrestle through stuff. And so for the last almost two years, we've been doing this really big restructuring of the vineyard movement, which we're beginning to implement now, making some really big changes, things that we think needs to happen so that churches can be better cared for and more churches can be planted. And so what we're doing is we're, we're choosing a new national director, and there's always been a national director, but we're adding 10 full-time positions to Vineyard USA. So there's going to be 10 full-time positions. These people are going to do things like, like oversee evangelism and outreach and justice, uh, church health, pastoral health, uh, theology and training, a lot of like really big things that in the past, what we would do is we would have people like me who have like full-time and then some jobs in their spare time, try to do some big things. And we've just realized that doesn't really work anymore. We need some full-time people to do this. And so what's going to happen over the next year is that 10 people, men and women who right now are lead church, lead, lead pastors in churches, they're going to leave their churches and they're going to start working for Vineyard USA and they're going to have to find a new pastor for their local church. And, and some, of these, some of these jobs are things that I could do. They're things that I have done. They're things that line up with my experience and my, you know, my, my gift mix and all of that. And so I had some people ask me, like, Phil, would you consider taking on one of these positions? You know, would you, there's one in particular, like, hey, this seems like it's really tailor-made for you. And, uh, and so Norm and I, a couple of months ago, we really prayed, we really wrestled with what does God want us to do for this next season? Because I'm, I'm totally committed to the vineyard, to not only to this church, but to the vineyard. And God spoke to me. He spoke to me very specifically. And what he said to me is basically, I, I called you to commit to something 23 years ago, and you're not done yet. Like, the best is yet to come. There's more that I have for you. And uh, you know what? So what I've done is, and, and it's actually, it was, it was really good for me to kind of wrestle with that and really come to this place of like, man, I can't wait to see what God's going to be doing. I can't wait to see where he's taking us. And I'm not done. The best is yet to come. So I've communicated to the national director and to others that when it comes to these new positions, I'll do everything that I can to help get the right people in it. But I'm not going to be one of them. Because God, God has called me here. I've made a commitment here. And could these kind of commitments, they are a really big deal. Because I think that what makes the good life are these commitments that we take on, the commitments that God leads us into. And then we try to fulfill those commitments with God's strength. Some people think that the good life is like if you win the lottery and you spend the rest of your life drinking pina coladas on a beach. Now, that might be nice for a week or two, but you do that for six months or a year or five years, that's a horrible life. That's a dissolute life. That's a wasted life. It's about the commitments that God is calling us to. And so we have a lot of vision here. We want to go somewhere here as a church. And I want all of us to be able to say, this is my church. God has called me here. These are my chairs. These are my lights. 
These are my cameras. This is my church. Because I think that's how we get the things that God wants us to get out of being part of a local church, that we have that sense of, of ownership, of involvement. And so, so I'm going to be starting a back up the growth track. And uh, we, it's something that we've done for years, and we stopped it when, when we had to lock everything down. On March 7th, we're going to resume the growth track. And that is, you'll hear more about it in the weeks to come. It's a series of four classes, and I teach most of them. Mary Ann teaches one of them. It's a way for you to find out who we are, where we're going, how you can get involved, what your spiritual gifts are, you know, and, and where you can kind of fit in. And, and so I would hope that if you're not at the place where you can say, this is my church, that you'll join us for the growth track and really just prayerfully make that decision. And, uh, you know, it's going to start, it's going to be a hybrid of in-person and in-Zoom. But if you find out that we're not your church, that's okay. We, we don't pretend to be the church for everybody, but you need to find my church. And so there's a number of really good churches here in North Jersey that if I wasn't the pastor here, I'd probably go to. And maybe I can help you, you know, find what would be the right fit for you. But it's so important that we develop that relationship with my church and that we develop my relationship with godly friends. With godly friends. So how do you know if the friends that you have in your life are godly? It's actually real easy to figure that out. Do they make you more godly? The spending time with them make you more godly because what I, what I hope is that as you are a part of this church, that, that you have some really godly friends who can encourage you, who can bless you, who can strengthen you, who help you come into the more that God has for you. And I think, you know, I think about this kind of stuff a lot. And I think that we're kind of set up a little bit like the New Testament pattern, right? Where in the New Testament, they would gather together on Sunday to worship in big groups. And sometimes it would be thousands of people, but then they would meet throughout the week in homes. It says in Acts in Acts 2, 4, it says all the believers met together constantly and, uh, and shared everything with each, with each other. That's Acts 2, 4, not Acts 2, 44. That's my mistake when I was putting that together. Um, and so that's why life groups are such a big deal here. Like life groups are really, really important because it's an opportunity for you to develop some godly friends. And so this week, the winter semester of our life groups is starting up. The way that we do life groups here, the fall, we always do what we call a campaign where everybody's kind of studying everything together. And then in the winter and the spring, we call them free market groups. And so the groups that are starting this week, some are going to be reading a certain book together. Some are going to be studying a book of the Bible together. Some are going to be watching a video series, you know, and then talking about it. There's going to be all sorts of different topics, all sorts of different things. Let me let you in on a little secret. The key to life groups isn't what you're going to learn. The key to life groups are the relationships that you're going to form, the relationships, the godly friends that you're going to discover because, and hopefully not just that you're attending, but that hopefully you get to a place where you can take your mask off and you can talk about what's really going on in your life and people can pray for you and people can encourage you because the reality is we all wear masks. You know, we all have masks on and that's not always a bad thing. Like sometimes it's just boundaries and sometimes it's just, you know, you don't want to go up to strangers and be like, hey, let me tell you everything that's wrong with my life. That's not healthy. That's not what you want to do. And so like even for myself, right, there are times when I might be going through something that's hard or I might be really sad about something or something that's difficult in my life. I'm not necessarily going to tell you about those things with a microphone on because my job is to encourage you, is to help you like fix your eyes on Jesus, to take the next step that God has for you. But I need to be telling somebody 
I need to be telling somebody, and thankfully I have some godly friends in my life that I've had for years that I can talk to when things are going on, when things are hard. You need that. You need that in your life, and, and I hope that you have it, and, and I hope that those of you who've been a part of our life group system, that you'll like commit and you'll continue going on with it, and those of you who haven't yet, you, it's not too late for this semester. You can go online right now. You can go to your app. You can sign up for a life group. We've got them going on every single night of the week, and that you'll develop some godly friends. And then the last relationship that we need to be intentional about, and this probably shouldn't be any surprise, is we need to develop my I need to develop my relationship with God. I need to develop my relationship with God. Let me speak specifically to a certain maybe group of people. Maybe there's some of you, you know, here in the room or, or online, you haven't gone all in yet on your relationship with God. You haven't gone all in. You got a little bit of God in your life. But you see, here, here's the deal. A little bit of God doesn't really work. That's not how it's designed. Like, we know that, like, for anything. If you want to, if, if something's important, you're not going to have it, like, flowing in your life with just a little bit, right? I mean, I mean, if you want to be married, you're not going to have a good marriage if you're just a little bit married. If you play golf and you want to become a single-digit handicapper, you're not just going to be able to get there playing a little bit of golf. If you want to go to med, if you want to become a doctor, it's not going to work if you just do med school a little bit, right? We've got to go all in on important things, and our relationship with God is like that. We've got to go all in. I mentioned before that when I was 17, that, that I made the best decision that I ever made in my life to go all in with God. And seriously, if, if, if I today could go back and talk to 17-year-old me, you know what I would tell him? I would say, Phil, this is the best decision that you're going to make in your life. And I want to tell you, it's going to work out better even than you think it will. That God is going to, God is, he is the pearl of great price. And if you're selling everything so you can have that pearl, I want to tell you that you are not going to be disappointed with that pearl. Yes, there will be times you go through hard seasons. There'll be difficult things. There'll be challenges. But God is with you and God is going to make a way for you. And you, how many of you would say, yes, my life hasn't been easy, but since I went in all in with God, man, my life has been better than it could have possibly been on my own. This room is filled with people who would say that. And I want to encourage you, listen, maybe you're in a place right now where you're just kind of giving God a little bit. You're giving him a little bit so that your spouse doesn't get mad at you, right? A little bit of God so, you know, to kind of keep peace in the house. Or a little bit of God so you can kind of hedge your bet for whatever happens in eternity, have a little bit of fire insurance. Or, you know, just, just a little bit of God so you can have a little bit of comfort and a little bit, you know, so Easter and Christmas can be a little bit more meaningful. I want to tell you that doesn't work. That's not how it's designed. God said this through the prophet Jeremiah 29, 13. He said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, that's how it works. He doesn't say you'll seek me and find me when you seek with a little bit. And listen, maybe some of you, you've been on that journey and maybe God kind of got your attention and it's been a little bit, but I guess got to say there's got to be a progression. And if you get to the point right now where you say, I'm going to go all in on my relationship with God. I am going to surrender my life to him. I'm going to move all of my chips into the center of the table. I want to tell you, you will not regret it. You will find that God is good and that God is faithful and that God is going to change you and God's going to change your relationships and God's going to bring you purpose and God's going to do 
a transformation in your life so that you will come into the best that God has for you. God is for you. Basically, what this proposition is, is the king and creator of everything says, put me first in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God, and I'll take care of all of your other needs. And I have found that to be true as I've walked with Jesus, and I hope that you'll discover it, that this is the time for you to go all in. So, Lord, I thank you, God, that you are a relational God. I thank you, God, that you exist in a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in eternal relationship, and that you invite us into that relationship. And so, God, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would bless all of the relationships, the thousands of relationships that are, that are uh, affected by all the people who are hearing this message right now. God, I pray that we would nurture those, those primary, those important relationships. God, give us wisdom and give us intentionality. Give us creative ways to nurture those relationships. God, I pray that we would restore broken relationships. If there's anybody here right now who's just weighed down by bitterness and unforgiveness, God, I pray that you would just give grace to just release forgiveness right now. Lord, that we would just let go of the hurts and the wounds and the things that have been done to us so that we could come into your freedom, so that there could be the possibility of relationships being restored. And God, I pray, Lord, if there are relationships that need to be severed, if there are relationships that are keeping us from coming into everything that you have for us, God, I pray that you'd give us the courage to sever those relationships. God, that we would say, Lord, that we want to know you and that we're about you and that we want to seek you and that if there are relationships that are, that are pulling us away from you, God, you're more important than those relationships and we choose you. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that in 2021 that you would breathe relationally on our church. God, I bless the friendships that are in this church. I bless the encouragement. Lord, I pray that you would breathe life on our life groups that begin this week and that there would be just lifelong friends that are formed, that masks could come off, that support and encouragement would flow. And God, above all, God, we, every single one of us, God, we just say in our heart that we're all in, that we're all in with you, God that you're first in our life. And God, before any of our relationship, God, we're gonna, we're gonna put you first. And we're gonna develop our relationship with you, God, because we love you. And, and God, you have been so good to us. And Lord, if, if, if you're for us, who can be against us? You will never leave us. You'll never forsake us. Lord, and we, we just, we, we love you and we recommit our lives to you. And if you're listening to this and you have never, you've not surrendered to God, or maybe you've been in a situation where, you know, your journey, you've just been doing the little bit thing. You just had a little bit of God in your life. Now is the time. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the time to say, okay, God, I've tasted and I've seen that you're good and I need more of you. So I'm going to go all in. And so if you're ready to do that, I want you to pray this prayer. Just keep your eyes closed and just pray this prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. God, I want you in my life. I surrender my life to you. I believe that you died on the cross in my place. And I ask you to forgive all of my sins. I accept your free gift of salvation. Please let your Holy Spirit live in me and teach me what it means to follow you. Because from here on out, you're the Lord of my life. 
And I don't want just a little bit. I want you. And I want everything that you have for me. If you prayed that prayer, everyone keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. Let me see. You you just said, okay, God, I'm going all in. I'm going all in with you. No more a little bit. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. There's two ways you can do this. One, you can take out your phone. And you notice we got these QR codes now on the back of all the chairs. And you can just, just like in a restaurant to get the menu, hold your phone up to it and to the one that says follower of Jesus. And then the screen will pop up on your phone. Or you can text follow to 201-584-7188. And uh, if you do that, see, here's the thing. The reason we ask you to do that is that when, when Jesus calls people, he calls them publicly. Right? And so this is kind of a way that we ask that, that prayer that you said in the quietness of your heart to go public with it. Let us know. And, uh, and if you do that, then Pastor Charles is going to reach out to you this week, and he's going to ask how we can pray for you, and he's going to maybe give you some stuff to read, some different steps that you can take so you can really nurture and develop this relationship with Jesus. All right? Uh, we're going to close our service now. We've got prayer people. Uh, prayer team, they're going to be over here to my right, ready to pray for you. And so listen, those of you who are in the room, I would encourage you to get some prayer. If you know that there's relationships that you neglected that need to be that need to be nurtured, let somebody pray with you that God would fill you with the Spirit to give you wisdom and how to nurture those relationships. If there's unforgiveness and bitterness that is dragging you down, let somebody pray with you that relationships could be restored, that you could have peace. If there are relationships that need to be severed and it's hard I know it's hard. And you know what? It could be very easy for you to hear this message and be like, yeah, I got to sever that relationship. But by the time you get to the car, just completely forget about it. Let somebody pray with you that you'd have the strength to do what you know to do. And then I just feel like when it comes to initiating relationships, some of you, you've been trapped. You know, maybe you've been hurt in the past and you're just afraid to open up. You're afraid to take the mask off. Maybe, you know what, you've resisted joining a life group for years while being a part of this church. Whatever this that whatever is blocking you from having the godly friends that God wants to put in your life, that you just pray with someone about those walls coming down. And if listen and finally, I'm kind of reiterating my whole sermon here, but uh, if 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 you're struggling if with just kind of giving God a little bit and you've made that decision to go all in with God, let somebody pray with you today. Seal that. Seal that decision with someone praying for you. If you just go up to the prayer, you know, the person on the prayer team, keep your mask on six feet apart, and you just say, hey, listen, I I, I decided to go all in with God. They're going to be happy. They're going to pray for you. They're going to bless you. And it may be, you know, kind of taking that decision public is going to do something that's going to really help you walk it out. So Lord God, I just pray that you'd bless all of our relationships. Keep us close to you. God, we love you. We thank you, God, for the better life that you have for us, that you've called us to. I pray that we would all walk in it, God, for your glory and our benefit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Life groups start up this week.